Luke chapter 1, we're talking about angels tonight, angels and the incarnation. As we think about this, you know, what does the Bible tell us about angels? We just had a little quiz about angels. We learned several things that the angels did and some of the things that the angels were involved in. But I want to give you a little bit of a, just a basic angelology, all right? A little bit of a a reminder of the things about the angels. Angels were spiritual beings created by God to serve Him. And though created higher than man, some of the good angels had remained obedient to him and carried out his will, while others, the fallen angels, disobeyed him and fell from their holy position and now stand in active opposition to the work and plan of God. All right, so that's just kind of an overall description of angels. But as we think about it in more detail, we've talked in our quiz about the meaning of the word angel. It means a messenger. Good for us to remember that because in the book of Revelation it talks about the angel of the church of Thyatira, the angel of the church. Well, the word literally means messenger. And nobody knows for sure. They suspect it was probably the pastor of the church, but it could have been a literal angel because that's the word that is used there. Um, and they were sons, uh, they were called the sons of the mighty in Psalm 89.6. They were, uh, they make up God's host. What is a host? Host of the mighty army. All right, a mighty army. God's mighty army. And so they make up that. They're called the sons of God, both in Job and in Genesis. Uh, their origin. Jesus created the angels. John chapter 1 says he created all things. And Colossians says that he created all things, um, both the, the angelic beings as well as the regular. So he created all things. And we find also that uh, Uh, He created them before he created the world. The book of Job and Psalms both refer to that. Now, the character of angels. Angels are personal beings. Important for us to see that. They're personal beings. They're not just spirits that are out there, but they are personal beings. They're greater than humans. Um, That should be a no-brainer, but at the same time, it is important for us to see that. And the angels are mighty. They're very wise uh, but they're not omnipotent and they're not omniscient. You know, God is able to know all things and God has all power. Angels are far greater than we are, but they, aren't lim- they are limited. Right? They don't have an unlimited ability in them. And they, the Bible tells us that they were not to be worshipped and that the angels cannot die or marry. So some sp- specific things about the angels. Their appearance, their invisible spirits, uh, with no bodies, but when they did come to earth and, and took on a human form, they always took on a male form. That doesn't mean they're male, it's just it's significant that they never appeared as a female. They always appeared as a male. And uh, many times that would be the case. And the, the seraphim were angels that had six wings. There's nothing said about most of the angels. Did they have wings? I mean, they didn't, when they appeared as men, they looked just like men. So whether the angels, you know, Gabriel and Michael and the other angels, what they would look like, I mean, we don't know because they're spirits. So, but anyway, they, do, they don't necessarily have wings, only the seraphim. And the cherubim were winged angels that had both hands and feet as well. They were kind of odd-looking things. Um, so, at least odd to us, probably not to them. All right, so the angels, a little bit of information for us about the angels. Now, Jesus was never an angel. 
a lot of the cults teach that, that Jesus was Michael the archangel and he became, you know, the son of God. And that's not what the Bible teaches. All right? If you study the Bible carefully, it does not state that. So we make, make sure we understand that. And so as we consider these things with the, you know, all the myriads of angels that are out there. Now, myriads is a word that means, you know, numberless. The numberless angels that are out there that God created, and God knows their number, but they're numberless to us. Um, how did they respond to the incarnation of Christ? You know, this morning we looked at Joseph and how he responded to the incarnation, but what did the angels do? How did they respond to all this? You know, they're in heaven, they've been with God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for a long time. Now, they weren't eternal, God's eternal. The angels were all created before us, but they were there with God in heaven. Now, how did the angels respond? Well, tonight I want us to notice three activities of the angels uh, during the incarnation or regarding the incarnation. Now, first of all, the angels announced the incarnation of Christ. And a little bit of this will be, over, uh, will be reviewed because we've touched on some of this already. But God chose his angels to bear the exciting news of the incarnation. That must have been an exciting thing for them to think that they would get the opportunity to be able to proclaim the incarnation of Christ. Uh, when he came to this earth, they were the ones that God used to announce it. And of the messages announced by the angels, never was one more significant than this of announcing the birth of Christ. I mean, angels came to announce other things, you know, the birth of Samson or the, you know, various other issues in the Bible that they announced, but never was one so significant as this. Now, an angel announced the incarnation to Mary. Gabriel uh, was the angel there. He told Mary in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Let's take a look at that verse, Luke 1 and verse number 26. And in the sixth month, angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to, uh, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, uh, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored of the Lord. Is <clears throat> the, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And so he goes on and he tells her that what was going to take place in her, her body. And he tells her all the details of that. And we're going to look more into that next Sunday, so I won't take the time to dig into that right now. Now, the angels also announced the incarnation to Joseph when we saw that this morning. And so just a brief review of that. Joseph was fearful. There in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, he was fearful of, of what had, had taken place. He, he, he couldn't believe it at first. And then it, it, it brought fear to his heart or broke his heart, really, because he thought his, his wife had been unfaithful. And then God explained the incarnation to him and how Mary had conceived and, and he gave him peace. And it was a great joy to his heart. Now, the angels also announced the incarnation to the shepherds. Now, as we think about this, picture in your mind. You know, I guess maybe as a farm boy, it just kind of comes to me that, you know, think of these farm-type situations. <coughs> these uh, shepherds, we don't know how many there were. Who knows? There might have been several. Um, I don't think there was just two. There was probably several of them. But they're out watching their sheep. And it, it, in the middle of the night, the sheep were probably all in a sheepfold, some kind of a little enclosure that they had put together to protect the sheep. 
And usually what would take place is the shepherds would sleep at the door of the sheepfold uh, so that nothing could get in. And uh, probably one of them was staying awake. They'd take turns staying awake at night and uh, staying on guard to watch for wild animals that may try to climb over the sheepfold and captures the sheep. And so they were there. There was probably a fire burning slowly over the uh, with the coals there. And, and they, they if it was probably in the cold of the year. If it was cold there, they, they may have been huddled around the fire to try to keep warm. And some people say, no, it couldn't have been in December because, you know, they don't keep sheep in the December. But then there's others that say, Edersheim, who is a historian, a Jewish historian, he said, well, it is very possible that it could have been in December, even though some people say that's impossible, because he said they still had to have sheep ready for at Jerusalem for the feasts and the various uh, pass uh, the the various um, uh, times when they needed sheep for their sacrifices. And so they would keep them close to Jerusalem, which was outside of Bethlehem, was where they all um, would keep the sheep. And then it was just a short way to transfer them to Jerusalem if that was. And so there's a possibility there. So uh, it could have been cold, crisp weather out there. The stars were twinkling brightly in the cold of the night. And, you know, the, the, the... fire dying down, and most of these shepherds were probably slumbering and sleeping around the fire to try to keep warm and keep the bugs off. And, and as they're sleeping there, and the ones that are on guard are kind of probably talking to each other calmly or kind of whistling or something to try to keep awake so they don't fall asleep. And all of a sudden, bang, like that, bright light shines. And the Bible says the glory of the Lord shone around them. Look at this with me with, uh, with you in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, and look at verse 8. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 8. And there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them. And they were sore afraid. So the angel of the Lord appeared, and the glory of the Lord shone around about. So all around them was the glory of the Lord shining around about them. And so this was bright and brilliant, and, and uh, something that was just lit the whole sky up. And these guys were terrified. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, the times when we've been out camping, and most of you have done that. You've gone out camping, and you're sitting there, and it's late at night, and you're maybe just sitting next to your little fire and watching it and enjoying the, the quietness and looking up in the sky and all the twinkling stars, and it just, you know, the, the flies are going to sleep for a change, so you get, and you just, you got some peace, and you're just, just enjoying it. And all of, and can you imagine what it would have been like if all of a sudden this brilliant bright light shines about them. They were scared out of their wits. And they were, it was just a terrifying time for them uh, to have this happen. And so the, with that kind of a thought, the angels then announced the birth of Jesus to them. And he goes on in verse uh, 10. He says, And the angel said unto him, Now notice this, the angel is only one, one angel speaking to them, the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And he shall, uh, this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So not only did they see this brilliant light, they saw the glory of God in this brilliant light. They hear this angel talking to them, and then suddenly 
springs up these millions of angels with them there in the sky, and they hear all these angels either singing or saying, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill toward man. What an event. But you know the thing that's interesting is even though that must have been spectacular to see, and it must have been very bright, nothing in the scripture is mentioned about anybody else seeing it. You know, if there was an event like that where, you know, there was a meteor or something that came to the earth and, you know, bright and, you know, there'd be people from all around the sea and say, oh, we saw this, we saw I mean, possibly they did. Possibly those others did. Nothing's mentioned about it. And it was an exciting event for these shepherds. And so immediately the shepherds respond to what the angels tell them and they went in to see, see what, uh, what uh, had taken place. And, you know, as we think about these things, in, in each of these situations, God gave limited information to his servants. And he gave them sufficient information to fulfill what he asked them to do. And God does the same thing for us. You know, sometimes God will give us limited information. We say, but I want more. I want to know all of it. And, and we get impatient with God. And God says, just hang on. Remember that song we sang? One of, the, one of my favorite songs in the book, Just One Step at a Time. God gives us information just one step at a time. And we, we, we get that one step and we say, oh, but God, tell me a little bit more. I want to know what's more. And we're so impatient and we're so curious. Maybe you're not as bad as me, but I'm terrible about that. You know? I mean, if we get a package, my, my dear wife, she's got the patience of Job. She'd bring the package in and set it down and just carry on with her work. I said, what? Open that thing. Oh, we can wait until after lunch. I said, come on, get that thing open. <laughs> I want to see what's in it. I mean, she's just the opposite of me. You know, I'm one of those curious ones, and maybe you're like me. But uh, we, we get impatient, and we, we want more of God's information right now. Now, the angels also announced the resurrection of Christ. And they said, well, what's that got to do with the incarnation? Well, the incarnation was the really the whole time Christ was on this earth. He was incarnate. He was the God-man. And so it really did include his resurrection, although this isn't the introducing of it. But they announced the resurrection of Christ. Angels there in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 7, told the ladies that Jesus had risen from, from the dead. And then also in John chapter 10, verses 11 and 12, there were two angels in the cave where Mary Magdalene went in. And she, you know, she op- went into the cave where Jesus had been buried and the angels were there, one at the front, top and one at the bottom of where he had been laid, and he wasn't there. And they, they spoke with her, and, and it was there that she met Christ as he had already resurrected. So the angels were involved in, in all of these things. So, first of all, we see here that angels announced the incarnation of Christ. But then secondly, angels worshipped the incarnate Christ. They worshipped him. God actually told his angels to worship Christ. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and look at verse number 6. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 6. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 6 it says, And again, when he bringeth his firstborn into the world, he saith, Let all the angels of God worship him. Pretty amazing. God the Father gave a command to all the angels not just one or two, but all the angels. Myriads of them. Millions and millions of the angels. And he said all the angels were to worship Christ. Amazing. And it assures us 
of, of something else when we think about this. Christ was never an angel. He wasn't one of them. He, the angels worshipped him. You know, the, the, there wasn't any angel said, wait a minute, I protest. He was just one of us yesterday, and now he's, you know, just because you, why should we worship him? No, he, they didn't argue. The, they, they accepted it because Christ was God. And they worshipped him. And the angels were simply ministering spirits. He was one, verse 13 and 14, calls them that. They're ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who should be heirs of salvation. So they were, they had a ministering job. But here we find them worshiping Christ. You know, and it's interesting to note the, the meaning of the word worship. If you ever look up that word worship, it literally refers to falling prostrate on the, prostrate, prostrate, I get those two words mixed up always. Flat on the ground, okay? To fall flat on the ground, alright? And, and it, that's what it means. So the idea is, of kneeling or bowing or falling flat on your face before God in worship. And as you think about that, before we can worship God, we've got to be willing to bow before God. You know, worship isn't just coming and singing some songs. Worship is bowing before Him. Now, whether it literally means that we fall flat on our face or we bow down or of that, but there has to be at least a bowing in the heart. You know, a person could be standing upright, but bowing in the heart. And God sees that. And pride is one of the worst enemies that we have. And we struggle with that. Pride is an enemy. And when, when we lift up ourselves, we rob God of His rightful worship. You know, that's something we don't often think about that. But when we, when we just put in a little word for ourselves and say, you know, yeah, I did that. Wasn't that good? We've just robbed God of his praise. Because God gave us the ability to do whatever we did. And, you know, as I thought on this, you know, pride is like a fire extinguisher to worship. So I'm going to go worship God. And we get pride in the way and it just kind of quashes the worship. No worship there. Can't worship God if I'm proud. Pride is an enemy. And I don't know about you, but I struggle with it. And it's one of those things that we need to get victory over and constantly fight against because pride is such an enemy. And then we find here the angels praised God because of the incarnation. In Luke chapter 2, the section we just saw, just briefly, we won't turn back there, but when, when all the angels, the the angel had announced it to the shepherds. And what did the rest of them do? They all came on and they said, Glory to God in the highest. On earth peace could dwell toward man. And we often think that the angels sang. Some of the songs we sang tonight talked about the singing of the angels. It doesn't say that they sang. They may have sang. I'd like to think they did. But they might not have. They might have just chanted it. They might have just said it all in unison. Can you imagine having a million angels saying all that in unison? Woo-hoo, what a What a sound. You know, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward man. But whatever it was, it brought glory to God and praised God and lifted Him up. And one day, the angels and all the saints of heaven will loudly cry, Worthy is the Lamb. Look at me, with me over there in Revelation. We're not far from it. Revelation chapter 5, look at verse number 11 and 12. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. 
Revelation 5:11 and be, I beheld and I heard a voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the elders here represent the as far as we can tell they represent believers or the saints and so he says that they were there and numbered the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. One day, all of heaven is going to explode with praise for Jesus Christ for what He's done. The angels are going to be involved in that. And we're going to be there with them. That will be a wonderful day. And so the angels announced the birth of Christ. The angels also worshipped at the birth of Christ. But thirdly, the angels saw and served the incarnate Christ. They saw Him and they served Him. We say, well, of course they saw Him. But that is a significant thing. And Hebrews chapter 2, and just flip over there a few pages, Hebrews chapter 2 doesn't really say this specifically, but think about what it says. Hebrews 2 and verse number 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God should taste death for every man. That he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Now, as you think about that, Christ was made a little lower than the angels. And all the angels were watching this. All the angels saw this. How that God stepped down and allowed himself to become one of the human race. A little lower than the angels. The angels must have thought, I can't believe he's doing that. What an event. To think that God loves that human race so much that he would actually stoop to become one of them, lower than us. And yet Christ did. And the angels saw that. And then over in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. This is a significant verse on the incarnation. I've already mentioned it. And I encourage you to, to have it marked or memorized. It will be a big help to you and as you think on these things. But 1 Corinthians 3.16 And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels. That's the phrase we're looking at here. Preached unto the Gentiles, believed unto the world, and received up into glory. He was seen of angels. Now, why would that be significant? Why would God make a big deal about the fact that the angels saw him? Well, what did they see? Remember, they're watching God come down in human flesh. And they're watching this with amazement. They saw the humble birth and the servanthood of Christ. Described in Philippians 2. The angels looking at it and thinking of that and meditating on that and pondering that. What an amazing thing. And then they saw his submission during the silent years of his use. During those years of his use. When the, those 30 years, uh, around 30 years of his life, when he's, we don't really have much information about him. You know, all we know is that um, he, when he was 12, he went to the temple. The rest of the time, doesn't tell us much about it. But during those times, they saw that his submission to his parents, he saw his yieldedness to these things. Then also, they saw his, calm, uh, his ministering to the sick and needy. You know, to think that he was coming down and ministering to these people. And 
it wasn't that Jesus didn't just minister to the nice type of people. He ministered to the really sick people. People that others would, you know, you think of lepers. I mean, when a leper came near, everybody ran. Nobody wanted to be near a leper. Get out of here, you dirty leper. You're going to pollute us. They didn't want to get leprosy. Leprosy was dreadful. And yet Jesus walked right up to him, touched him. Nobody in their right mind would do that. But Jesus did, and he healed him. And Jesus ministered to lots of very sick people and down and outers. And they saw all this, and they watched this with wonder. And then also, he, they watched him as he calmly reacted to those who hated him. The angels realizing who he was. Now, sometimes men, they kind of knew, you know, even the disciples kind of knew, you know, they'd say, oh yeah, you're the Christ. But it didn't sink in like the angels. The angels knew who he was. They knew he was God Almighty and that he came down in human form. And to see people curse him and call him names and spit at him and beat him and hurt him. And Jesus took it calmly. The angels were probably just amazed. I mean, if they knew what they were doing, if they knew who they were hitting, if they knew how much power he has, well, they wouldn't do that. But the angels saw it all. They pondered all that and how he calmly reacted. And they saw his communion with the Father during that incarnation. To see how he communicated with the Father. Went out early in the morning. Spent long hours in prayer early before the day started. And would talk to the Father and communicate with him. They saw all that. They saw how he willingly went to the cross to bear the sins of the human race. Amazing. And so when he says here that he was seen of angels, it wasn't that they didn't glance down there and say, oh yeah, there's Jesus. They watched all this. They saw all that took place in his life. It was significant to them. Now each of us would benefit by taking time to see Christ as the angels saw Christ. To just ponder that. Think about that. Realize that God, the Creator, humbled Himself to such an extent is amazing. It's amazing. And He did that for you and for me. Then we find also that he, they served the incarnate Christ. The angels served Him. They ministered to Him after His temptation. Remember there in Matthew chapter 4, when Christ finished 40 days of temptation. And it says that the angels came and ministered unto him. Now what they did for him, we don't know. How did they minister? We don't know. But they ministered to him. They served him. They cared for him. And met his needs. The angels also stood ready to rescue him. If he should call them. Matthew chapter 26. Flip over there and Let's see that. Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 53. This is an interesting verse. Matthew 26 and verse number 53. It says, And it came and came out... Oops, wrong one. Matthew 26, I'm 27. Matthew 26 and verse 53. Thinkest thou that I cannot pray the Father and shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? Matthew 26, 53. Matthew 26, 53. And he said he could call for, just cry out to the Father, and he would give him 12 legions of angels. Now, a legion was several thousand of them. 
So, he, you know, there, there's a song that isn't in our songbook. I wish it was. It's a special song to me. It says, he could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. And one of the reasons that song is special to me is years and years ago when I was a little boy, probably not much bigger than Timothy, I remember my mom and dad and two of their friends standing around the piano singing that song. And shortly after that, I don't know exactly how long after that, that mom and dad and their two kids were all killed in a car accident on Sunday on their way home from church. They were hit broadside by a speeding drunk. Killed all four of them. And I still remember mom and dad and and Kenneth and Donna standing there by the piano singing that song. He could have called 10,000 angels. And it just stuck in my mind. Uh, but, you know, the significance of the song isn't my little story, but the significance of the fact that Christ could have. He had the power. All he had to do was say, Father, send the angels. And bang, instantly, the angels would have been there ready to rescue him. But he didn't do that. He died alone for you and me. And then one last thought is they strengthened Christ in the garden after his agonizing prayer. Luke chapter 22 and verse 43. Luke chapter 22 and verse 43. Luke 22 and verse 43. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, to strengthening him. This is after he had sweat great drops of blood in agony, praying over what was ahead of him, and asking the Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. It was a difficult time in his life. It was a difficult time, and he sought the power of God and the angels came and ministered unto him. So this evening we've seen three activities of the angels during the incarnation. They announced the incarnation. We find also that they worshipped the incarnate Christ, but then also that they saw and served the incarnate Christ. And as we think about the principles that we've picked out here and noted as we went, our, went through this, you know, we need to obey all that God has given us to do and follow Him just one step at a time. Even if He doesn't give us the whole thing. And you know, each of us have things that we're praying for and asking God to help us with. And we say, God, would you just open the door and let me see what's behind the curtain? You know, we, and we wish we could see the next step. God says, no, I'll give you one step at a time. That's all we need right now. We need to trust Him one step at a time. And that's, that's a difficult task sometimes, but something we need to do. And then also, we need to seek to worship the Lord with true humility. You know, to truly worship Him. To bow either physically or especially in our heart. I mean, we could bow physically, but not in our heart, and that would be just a hypocrisy. But He wants us to bow from inside, to humble ourselves before God and truly worship Him and give Him the praise and the glory and not to lift up ourselves. You know, the next time the devil tempts you to just say, you know, aren't I great? Look at me. We need to remind ourselves, listen, I am nothing without Christ. If he hadn't given me the abilities, what would I be? And, and, and you, you stop and think about all he would have to do is just say the word and we could be crippled or we could be disabled and we lose our abilities to do whatever we're proud of. And he could take that from us in a moment. We need to be thankful for what God has done. And we need to praise the Lord as the angels praised him. And he longs for our praise and desires that praise. And he deserves our praise. We need to praise him. As we're entering into this Christmas 
season. Let's ask God to help us to stay humble and to praise Him and honor Him for all that He's worth.